0: You start to understand the type, the type forms a lot better just by drawing them. Um, and then I had like various type books. So I was like reading along as I'm drawing these typefaces. Uh, and then like I said, I started to get comfortable with it. And then I started to apply these variations that I created and actually started to incorporate that into the project itself.
1: Welcome to Works in Process, a series of conversations where I talk to creative individuals about their latest projects. I'm George Garastegui. This episode's guest is David Soto. David's a native New Yorker, a student that I mentored while he was in high school, and a fashion graphic designer at an apparel company. We'll get into that pretty quickly, but today's focus is how he built his Instagram following and how he uses that to increase his typographic skills and get more freelance gigs. So enough about me. Let's get into our conversation. Not that we need to get more comfortable because we've known each other for so long, but I think this is sort of fun. I'm going to ask you a series of this or that questions, and I'm also going to do some word association.
0: Okay. Is that cool? Cool, yeah. yeah. I definitely need some loosening up. Uh,
1: <laughs> really quickly... Coffee or tea? Coffee. Toast or a bagel? Bagel. Rock or hip hop? Hip hop. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Beatles. Biggie or Tupac? Biggie. Beer or wine? Wine. All important questions, right? Like- <laughs>
0: Very important questions.
1: Okay, so now word association. What do you think instantly when I say these words? All right. Creativity. Art. Design. Crafted. Art.
0: Painting. Business. Money. Failure. Sad. Clients. Money. <laughs> that, you said I'm being honest. No, that's uh, <laughs> um, mistakes. Oh, I couldn't think of one fast enough. We'll, we'll skip that one. Tools. A hammer. Skills. Design.
1: Opportunity growth future
0: career risk succeed
1: and last but not least process drawing see that was painful right
0: yeah that was painful no that was that <laughs> come on that wasn't too bad. no that was good that was
1: good so there's probably going to be a lot of people that don't know who you are so i want to start off a little bit with an origin story Give us a little bit about your schooling, the jobs, a quick rise in the ranks of why, you know, we probably talking to you today. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. take us on a little journey to get us to about now.
0: Okay. Um, I think like every designer, my story starts out, you know, drawing and copying comic books as a kid. Um, I, I wanted to go to the same art high school as my father. Or rather, he wanted to go to, the, to this particular art school. So I went to Art and Design High School uh, in uh, Manhattan here. Uh, after I went to uh, Fashion Institute of Technology for Communication Design. Um, and then, wh- well actually while going, while going to college, I, uh, I was able to get a freelance job. Um, actually at the company that I'm working at at, at the moment. Um, and I've been there for, you know, ever since that was like 2005. Um, so I, my, I guess my resume is not as long as many other graphic designers, but that actually drove me to pursue a lot of other, uh, projects outside of, um, my full-time gig.
1: So we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've known you probably 15 years, yes. right? And you're not old. Which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you at least half your life. Yes. Um, I was a mentor at the AIGA. You, like you said, were a student at Art and Design High School, mm-hmm. and somehow we got paired up, and really the rest is kind
0: of all history. Yeah. I, remember, uh, I remember that day like if it was yesterday, man. I remember, uh, I remember having to put together the puzzle pieces in that huge room. And I remember looking around at the sea of people, and uh, and you were the only like floating Yankees cap. <laughs> I was, wasn't I? In the, in the entire like space, it was awesome. Yeah, it was crazy because everybody's all buttoned up and you know like slick hair and you know like buttoned down and dress pants and shoes. And then here comes this dude with a Yankee cap on, you know. I'm meeting I mean high school students. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you know, I, I think you were the only one that actually thought, uh, you know, thought that. You know what I mean? Like everybody was kind of like put together, you know, and put together in a sense like like if they're going to a job interview. And you were like, you know, just chilling. That's I mean, as soon as I saw you, I was like, yeah. I was like this 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 guy is dope. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we've done, we did that for officially for three years, right? Mm -hmm, Until you graduated. mm -hmm. Yep. And then you went down to Florida. Yep. For a little bit. Yeah.
0: Which I, which I skipped in the, uh, in my little like, uh, you know, it's Uh, okay. But, um, you didn't like Florida. No, no, I did not. Why? I, I was accepted to Ringling School of Art and Design before Fashion Institute. I moved out there with, uh, with my parents, uh, to just basically pursue illustration. And I think like within three or four months I was already back in New York. I, I couldn't, it just wasn't for me, you know? So late. did you ever, did you ever start wrangling No, I didn't. I didn't. I basically took a year off, uh, after that. And then I realized that I was out of state. I wasn't, you know, so I was going to pay a lot more just to start. And that was like the nail in the coffin for me. Because so I, I, like, I was already not feeling it, and then that was like the icing on the cake. I was just like, yeah, this is not for me. So that's when I moved back. I started freelancing for uh, Arable Style, and then in 2006, they hired me full-time. So that's when I was able to actually make the moves that I needed to make. So you've been there about 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. So how's it been? It's good. I mean, uh, it's, it's a great job they allowed me to grow. Um I started out as an assistant um in doing marketing like the la- the interior labels uh, and the garments. And then uh, I started to get into the women's graphic tees and you know they they allowed me to you know move around a lot and l- learn a lot basically. So, you know, I went from an assistant to a senior graphic designer in one company um in the 11 12 years. Um which you know is a a while i never found the need to move um i landed like a good gig um so i kind of just stuck with it and i've always been the type to do my own thing outside of my full time you know like my own personal projects so i was always like
1: entertained so you just mentioned you've kind of always been somebody who likes doing something on the side Mm -hmm. um why is that important
0: so I don't get bored, you know, like um, and, and be able to exercise other um, other forms of design uh, instead of making T-shirts all day. You know, I can dabble in logo. I can dabble in just in branding in general or logo types, you know. So it was more about exercising those creative skills and not having to just make T-shirts all day um, because, you know, that can get tiring for anybody. So, uh, it's just a way to kind of like entertain my brain. Yeah. You know? Um, that's, that's very true. Doing one and, and I love it and I, and I love it too. Like, I mean, I, I, I like apparel design, but I would definitely say my passion is in logo logotype, type, you know, just like other stuff, you know, not, not just apparel. Where do you think that passion stems from? I don't want to say I don't know, but I don't know. Because, you know, like I, I could have a smart answer for that, but I, like, I really don't know. There's something about like creating a logo to, that represents something or creating a logo type that feels like something. It just, I don't know. I love that challenge. A brief, to take a project brief and craft something that works exactly to fit that puzzle, you know? Like, there's just something about it. I think it's the problem solving, you know? I just like taking those little bits and making sense of it all.
1: You mentioned having a branding project and kind of making it work for the brief. How much do you stick to a brief? How much do you veer away from a brief? How much education do you impart on the client to make sure they understand exactly even what they want?
0: I, I normally don't, I would love to, to go off brief at times. I just don't have the time for that really. To, if I'm going to be honest, um, because I have so many small little projects coming at me all the time that I actually have to calendarize it. So I don't have the time to sit there you know, and, and go off brief and, and hope for the best. Um, I, I, like to be, I like to design into what the client, because at the end of the day, the, the logo, the word mark is for the client. I'm supposed to satisfy them. So I can give them something that's slightly off of what they're asking for, but I would never like, go way off. I can't assume that they're wrong. If that's if that's what they're going for, then that's what they're going for, and that's what I give them.
1: Right? Have you ever done a project where you knew what they wanted really wasn't what they needed, and you did it anyway, or did you steer them in a direction where you thought your expertise would lie?
0: I mean, of course, I've I've had the conversations with them. Like you know, if if something is not quite right, or if they're asking for a typeface that that I don't recommend, or Uh, imagery that I don't think fits. I've definitely had those conversations but up to a certain point because I'm, you know, I'm providing a service so I'm going to give them what they're asking for. Obviously with my, you know, with my hand with, you know, my whatever people say, style or, you know like um, using my thought process or whatever but I have to give them what they're asking for and that'll allow me to gain a client, possibly, a, you know, like a, a better relationship with that client, as opposed to me being hard headed and convincing them. Otherwise, you know, they might not like that experience. Um, and then they won't come to me for the second logo. So yeah. But you mentioned something very interesting that you
1: calendar all this stuff out, you keep yourself on a probably strict timeline to make sure that you meet your deadlines and you can move on to the next thing. So right. Tell us more a little bit about how do you schedule your stuff out? How yeah. do you keep yourself honest mm-hmm. with that?
0: I have very, very little time um, to spare. Because, you know, like I said, I have a full-time job. So I start all my freelance at 9.30 p.m. And I don't stop working until 1.30 thirty. 2 a.m. in the morning. So I'm only playing with that small window of time for every day, basically. So I could only take on one to two projects a week. And those are small projects. If it's a bigger branding project, I may be working on the same project for three weeks. But the clients that I work with understand that I have that amount of time, you know, that I have a full time job. So they're willing to work with me, basically. Um, but yeah, I basically have to stretch out stuff that may take, you know, somebody quicker because they could work on it all day. I don't have that luxury. So I'm basically working to the morning, you know, to the early morning. So since I only have that little bit of time, I have to calendarize
1: everything. What system do you use to create this, organization of knowing when to talk to a client when to deliver them deliverables to gain feedback so that while you're dealing with one client who's waiting to give you feedback on something you can then start another project mm-hmm. and kind of overlap projects without having to have maybe multiple deadlines due the same day how mm-hmm. do you how do you organize that moment
0: um, I mean I, I always write in my sketchbook um, just to give myself reminders um, but I basically just make uh, events in Outlook uh, just to remind me to send a PDF um, you know or if a client hasn't given me feedback in a certain amount of time to reach out to them um, stuff like that but I, I I don't really have like a crazy structure necessarily because I only work with one or two people but if I let's just say for instance I take three clients it could start to get messy so I kind of have that two-client-per-week kind of deal, if it's smaller projects. So because the third project starts to get a little hairy, Mm -hmm.
1: you keep yourself to about two because you feel it's a little bit more manageable.
0: Yeah, for me. You know, somebody may be able to work quicker. But you talked about some of your passion projects,
1: and you talked about logos and word marks, and then kind of started to touch on a little bit of you can do this in your style, your hand. Mm -hmm. And knowing you for a while, you, you have started to shift from strict logo development and maybe typographic word marks that kind of stem from using existing typefaces and adding you know, your own illustrative style to a logo, and you've started to craft a new, more hand-done, scripty variation to kind of create more of a customized versions. Mm -hmm. of these word marks now what shifted in you to start going from something a little bit more generic into this a little bit more custom realm
0: well two reasons one because just educating myself so i started to get more I, i was interested in typography obviously all the you know all the time i think it's you know very important for as a graphic designer but then uh i would say about two years ago i for some reason i found this like crazy passion for typography and started to look into it and uh, I actually just started drawing it to learn you know Um, and the projects that I was already getting I was just applying that to those projects so I just I was hand drawing all my my letter forms so I would you know I would still sketch it even if it was you know a planned typeface from the start I would still draw it you know and then it, it evolved from there I started to get more comfortable with the idea of hand-drawing my own typefaces. And then I started to apply that to the project itself.
1: Why, if you're going to do an existing typeface, would you go through the exercise of hand-drawing it anyway?
0: Well, in the beginning, it was more of an exercise just to uh, train myself, just to understand why certain letter forms are the way they are. You know, that's basically as, as simple as I could put it. Um, you just, after you start drawing it, you understand why when you draw a cap M, why the second, you know, stem is the thicker stem. and You know what I mean? Like, you start to understand the type, the type forms a lot better just by drawing them. Um, and then I had, like, various type books. So I was, like, reading along as I'm drawing these typefaces. Uh, and then, like I said, I started to get comfortable with it. And then I started to apply these variations that I created and actually started to incorporate that into the project itself. I don't know, there was like a certain level of confidence that I needed to gain before I started to do that. Because you were re-educating yourself with type, with what's existing, to
1: start understanding how the stems and the bowls and all these other typographic attributes start to really play in your designs and maybe starting to use that to your advantage. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's kind of... Uh, I relate it to, like, illustrators, where, you know, you can you need you need to know the anatomy before you can kinda warp the anatomy, you know. Um, it's that same mentality, I guess. It's like I needed to understand the type forms and the way that the basic forms of each letter. Once I found that passion for typography, I kinda like went deeper than what I even learned in, in school. When was like your big group of word marks that you kind of like, oh, now
1: I'm starting to get my groove Mm -hmm. and was it because they were client-based or just you were working on your own ideas?
0: I would say the way that I worked it was I started to hand draw a lot of the logos from the icons to the letter forms um, by hand. Even if, like I said, even if there was a typeface in mind that I was going to use, I would still draw it out. Then... I kind of went through this whole exercise of working on individual glyphs and just kind of like challenging myself to create like different glyphs, you know, Um, just a personal project. Kind of like what Jessica Hish, you know, did um, with her drop caps. And that definitely gave me this sense of confidence where I started to understand these letter forms a a lot better than I used to. So then when I started to get into other um projects, when I would hand draw the logo and I would be making customizations to the letter forms, I basically had enough courage to vector out what I drew as opposed to just typing something out. You know, and that's why I think um uh, I forgot the word you used, but um you said uh, not it wasn't default that you used, but the, what was the generic. word you generic? Generic. I think that's what I really liked about it was that it it didn't feel generic, you know, anymore. It just, it feels customized. It feels unique. It feels like that one thing exists. You know what I mean? I mean, just recently, I just finished my most recent post on Instagram is a word. Focus, right? It's for inspirational tea. And he basically sent me Ariel. He sent me like Ariel Bold. And he was like, I like this typeface do your thing. Literally, that was the email. And that's what I did. So I basically just took Ariel and I said, okay, what is it about this that he likes? And mine ends up being very far from Ariel, but it was basically the boldness. It was basically the bold sans serif typeface he was referencing. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, you have the opportunity to create something that's unique that, there's just one instance of. Um, that's what I think it attracts me the most about it.
1: You began to touch on it a little bit, um, but Instagram. Mm-hmm. By the time probably people listen to this, your numbers are definitely going to go up. Mm-hmm. But um, for most people, Instagram is a place for selfies, a place for photos of food, a place to let people know where they are for You, it's not the same way. Mm -hmm. How do you use Instagram?
0: Uh, It's basically my second portfolio. I've gotten more work using my Instagram portfolio than I have used my, you know, uh, that I have gotten with my real portfolio. Like, with my, like, put together, uh, you know, all my branding projects. Like, Instagram has gotten me way, uh, way more work. And I think it's because it's, I'm able to share, my process. So the same way that you can stand in a mirror and take a snapshot of yourself getting dressed and, you know, and, and you know, hashtagging it like, you know, YOLO or whatever the hell they do. Uh, I don't even know if that's even, a, you know, they're using that word anymore. Um, but instead of that, my version of that is the sketch. And then it's the refined sketch. And then it's, you know, the sketch on my screen with, you know, showing, demonstrating uh where I'm placing my vector points and then from there it's the final vector uh, image. So for me it was about sharing my process and helping basically educating other younger designers that may not have known how somebody professionally does it. You know, so that, that was definitely encouraging because I would be posting sketches and, you know, and I was kinda like doing it like mindlessly. Like I didn't know what that I was really doing that like showing my process until later on where I started to get comments of like, thank you so much for sharing your sketches. And then I started to realize like, oh shit, like, sorry. Like, you know, like, I'm like, oh man, like, you know, these people are actually liking to see where the idea is coming from as opposed to just seeing the final product. And it's funny because
1: you, you do have a system now. Maybe you didn't realize it before as far as, you share with your followers all the iterations you start up with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You kind of have a flow of, like you mentioned, your sketch and then maybe some refinements and then a vectorized version showing your vector points and then kind of a nice stylized vector version to kind of show the final product. Mm -hmm. Is that something you thought about or something that just naturally happened?
0: It wasn't well thought out in the beginning, but I definitely know... My system now, um, especially after all the feedback, basically just whenever I had something, I would post it. So there was no like particular time frame. I think with with Instagram, you kind of have this like balancing act. Is like you want to post at the right time, you want to uh, have enough content, and then at the same time, I started to notice that when I did post sketches, people were really appreciating the sketches. Um, so kind of all those. Different uh, variables kind of Basically created its own system now. I have like, you know the, the like you said the rough sketches and you know Like little doodles and kind of like my brainstorm session from that I have the Sketching a bit more but now it's kind of like you can see where I'm going with it. And then the next one is refining uh, one of my favorites and Then I kind of move on from there. It's like I'm working on one project and I'm able to extract a bunch of content from that one project. Um, you know, and, and it, it's serving as a marketing tool. So, once I started to notice that I was getting a lot more jobs from, from Instagram, I, that, the system was definitely affected because it was like, how many images can I share without forcing it? You know, like still, like in the, still my normal process, but how many images can I extract from my process and share to, obviously, to, you know, to help, you know, help people, educate people, show my process. It's just fun to learn, like, other people's processes. If they're like, hey, I do that, too. Like, I sketch that way, too. Or I don't do it that way. Or I do it on the iPad or whatever. Um, and then at the same time, like I said, as a marketing tool. So the more images I can get out, the more consistent I can be, the more potential jobs I can get. So it's, I would say the system came from, a bunch of different variables but it's working and it's working now for me so and it's not it's, it doesn't feel forced everything that I post is just a natural part of my process I'm not forcing anything
1: well that that's good because I think if it becomes forced it becomes too much of work or a job or I'm doing this to maintain appearance or something but I think we discussed your your brand right your your Instagram handle is Mm aka.dope, right? And at this moment, you have about 19,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Um, For an individual who's who's starting to come into his own and and started this, 19,000 followers is no short feat. Um, Looking at how many posts you've actually posted, you mentioned... It's about three hundred. It's like high, like high threes. So you haven't even posted four hundred images mm-hmm. in your Instagram account, mm-hmm. and have almost garnered nineteen thousand
0: followers. How? It's it's hashtags. It's commenting on people's images. Is basically being active. Like the more consistent you are. On social media the better off you're gonna be so um, when I post an image I utilize all 30 of those hashtags Um, when I'm browsing different uh, accounts I make sure to like the ones that I appreciate I make sure to leave comments thoughtful comments on the ones that I actually do like and appreciate and I want to say something usually it's just dope (laughs) Kind of makes sense for me, right? But, um, you know, like, I I, I make sure to leave comments. I've had, like, really important exchanges for me, like, with just random people about work, about, like, how to improve certain things. Um, So it's, like, really, it's just engaging. It's engaging your audience. It's making sure that you're participating, too. It's not just waiting for people to heart your image. You have to go out there and actually, like, I'm not saying you're fishing for it, but You have to be active you know like the same way that you want somebody to like your stuff you have to go out there and start appreciating everybody else's stuff you have to figure out who your audience is who you who you want to speak to and then what that person is doing at a particular time of the day so i find for me that i get up in the morning i usually have something finished completed that i did the evening before and i found myself traveling to work, that might might be a great time to post something, because there's other designers out there traveling to work right now. That's kind of like how I was thinking about it. There's no other science behind it. It's really like, people on the train right now, right? You know? And then I post in the morning, and by the time I get to the job, I have a, you know, I have a bunch of people that are already engaged with the post. So, something is correct about that. (laughs) I don't know. So let's say on your way to work, you mm-hmm. post
1: something finished, what's your average engagement like after that?
0: Like 150. 150 likes? Like 150, 200,
1: yeah. So about 150 to 200 likes in about an hour from when you posted this new work from the night before.
0: That's not too shabby. But I kind of found my window. Because I can post the same thing at a different time and it's not as, not as good. I, I kind of thought in the perspective of someone else that, you know, would, that was a designer that would be interested in my work, and I said to myself, well, I mean, you know, I'm going to work right now, so somebody's traveling to work right now, so then I posted in the morning, and it just it just so happened to work for me, so I mean, I know now, I know there's apps that, um, that tell you the percentage of every day, and I'm definitely getting into that now, because it's, it's, it's starting to become a lot more serious for me, but... When I discovered that window of time, it was by chance. Um, and then, you know, I, I, since I'm very consistent, I actually started to get my own reading on when people were engaging more and more. I used to post um, my images right before I went to bed. So like I said, I'd be working up until one thirty, two 2 in the morning, and then it's already, the image is already done. So I'd say, yeah, post. And I would just post it, and I wouldn't get nearly as much engagement. So. Then I said, you know what? I won't post it, even if I was eager for some reason. And I waited until the morning. And then that's when everything started to really pick up. And But finding that moment garnered you more engagement. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so trial and error kind of helped in that, right? There was no science behind it.
0: No, not, definitely not in the beginning. i say the, the last month when I discovered some of the apps that actually help you out with that, it's funny. Once I downloaded that app and I started, and it kind of like basically did like uh, you you log in with your account and it gives you percentages of you know when's the most important time to post. Uh, I realized that all the trial and error that I just went through was all correct. Basically, the app picked up what I already knew. I wish I had this app a year ago. Is what I'm saying, but. Maybe having this app a year ago,
1: would you be at the same place? Because is it more important that you came up to this same conclusion that an app reading your actual data came up with?
0: Probably not. Just based off the fact that it's not as, probably is not as natural. Because I was, I mean, I was just posting whenever I felt like posting. Um, And who knows how Instagram has their like, algorithms or whatnot, like maybe the natural posting of random times gave me an edge. Who knows? I don't don't know how they kind of set up their stuff. Right. And that's why I'm thinking that maybe Mm -hmm. having the app,
1: you may have not had the same engagement that you want to because it doesn't feel like you're actually having a connection.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's like it's important to have a system. Like now I see it's very important to have a system. Um, you know, your time, your usual times that you post, the the highest engagement times, but there's definitely like a level of there's definitely a level of keeping it as natural as possible. So, you know, even if I know that I post at nine thirty, that's my highest engagement, let's say. If I wake up at seven thirty and I you know I'm just gonna post in the morning, I'll post in the morning. You know, like I, I don't necessarily stick exactly to the times. Um but I definitely know the times, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely aware. So, I mean, basically,
1: you know, it's not like we can claim one project you're working on because at any given time you're having multiple clients during a week, you know, having other times where your, your clients are crossing over, you're doing other things, you're ending one, starting a new one, Mm -hmm. continuing. Right. So there is no kind of, we can't say that there's like a project that you're working on but what i can say based on you know anybody who looks at this i'll put in the show notes um david's instagram handle so you can see all of his work but when you look at your instagram there is a specific style that you have a way that you're showcasing your brand mm-hmm. and that that people are noticing that so maybe not a specific project but the way everything is coming together kind of feels consistent and that has taken you some time to, to get to this point, correct?
0: Yeah, for sure. And consistency is, is probably the most important uh, thing that I would say, uh, is be as consistent as possible. Um, visually, the way that you speak to people, um, it's important because you're, you're building a brand, you know, and you want to make sure that, they, I mean, they follow you because they like your work which means they want to see similar work. I mean, it doesn't have to all be like a regurgitation of the same stuff over and over again, but it needs to feel like it came from the same place, basically.
1: And you're building a brand, right? So this is your brand building project. So mm-hmm. it, so if we consider that your project that you've been working on mm-hmm. for a long time, what are the risks you
0: see in that? Are there negatives? Mm, not necessarily because... You, you mean in regards to like just just building my Instagram? I would say building your Instagram, building a a
1: a brand that people want to follow. You're talking mm-hmm. about consistency. You're talking about all these things that that help get you to this point so far. Mm-hmm. And are there anything that you think about that can maybe have you go off path?
0: No, not necessarily. I mean, I I don't see. Building my Instagram, I think right now, it, I, I have a good system. Even if I didn't have an Instagram account, those images would still exist. So it's not... I see my Instagram now as, like, if you press Apple P to print something on the computer. Like, the work is already done. I'm basically just sending it to Instagram as another way to reach out to people. Um, so it's it's definitely not something that... Is taking a lot of additional time in the process of a particular project because I already had the system going. In the beginning, it was a little bit like, like, what should I post next to you know make sure that people like it and blah blah. blah you know, now it's just kind of like, this is my project. I have to draw a Sans Serif typeface. Here's a Sans Serif typeface. If you like it, you like it. You don't, you don't. Kind of deal. It's not like I'm not risking anything necessarily. It's like it's just become like a part of my way of working. You know what I mean? Do you feel pressure to stay consistent? Yeah, for sure. Um, But not pressured in the creative sense like, oh, like I got to show people that I'm like doing cool stuff. Pressure because now Instagram is bringing me clients. So it, it's actually it's it's become a more consistent form of an income for me. So now I feel pressured to make sure that I'm still putting my work out there to gain more clients. You know, so that's where I think my pressure comes from. I'm always, I'm always working on stuff, even if I'm not getting paid for it. So I don't I don't feel the pressure of generating content because I'm always working on something. But the pressure is definitely like marketing myself so for somebody starting
1: out right how important is it because this is like you said another type of portfolio Mm -hmm. where you're showing more process driven stuff along with some final versions Mm -hmm. how important is it because it's a portfolio to do the side stuff instead
0: of maybe always real work right it's it's important to me just because uh it gives me a reason to design i mean i've i've always i've always looked for a reason to do something and you know like it's it's definitely a motivator to know that your kind of like nonsense work that you're just entertaining yourself with has a place to live um and when you work on something that you're passionate about typically those projects end up being uh more you know like Obviously, it's in your hand. And a lot of times, they come out great because you're passionate about it. It's something that you're really interested in. So um, I'm, I, I'm always working on other stuff. So I'm always going to incorporate that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we've kind of touched on this probably, but do you think your process is more analog or digital? Now in these days, after my iPad Pro purchase... <laughs> It's it's been digital. Um I mean but it's hard to say because most of the uh ideation is during my commute to and from work and that's analog. That's me sketching by hand. Um because I don't dare bring my iPad on a train. Uh smart. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I mean it's, it's definitely a blend of both worlds, but uh, I would have to say digital just because the truth is is once I get my idea down um, I'm drawing on my iPad Um, is there anything
1: kind of that you've been working on currently as brand or
0: logo development for any clients that you particularly struggled with I mean actually probably the most recent project has been a bit of a challenge but I think it's just the nature of what it is—it's—I uh, need to create a, a monogram uh, with three letters, and that's always super challenging, um, at least for me, um, just because it's—you know—it takes so much time and energy to uh, cleverly uh, link two letter forms. So to add that extra letter um, is definitely hard, you know. Um, and 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 this this monogram needs to read. Um, in order, you know, in order and needs to be, uh, viewable in small scales. So it's definitely, it's definitely challenging. That does sound challenging.
1: That's obviously something you're struggling with right now and you're you're continuing to work on that. But Mm -hmm. also recently of certain projects, what are you most proud
0: of? Proud of? I would definitely say, I can't really pinpoint a particular project, but what I can say is I'm, I'm most proud of how comfortable I've gotten using typography um, i don't I don't feel as intimidated by it anymore i I mean there's always challenges, and I'm always pushing myself, but I always kind of looked for the quick out. I remember designing certain things and hunting for that typeface you know hunting for that typeface that that fit that project or um, you know, you know, trying to settle to just use a, a like a typeface, a, um, and now I just feel comfortable. Now it's like I could start a project and say, "What do I need?" I could literally write down the the type classifications and characteristics, and hand draw it, and bring it from that point to a finished vector product that a client is actually happy with. That's that's probably what's, what I'm most proud of. So considering your process is a little bit
1: more digital, can you give us some resources, tools that you tend to use more than not?
0: Uh, Well, first off, um, the iPad Pro is so important to me just because uh, it makes sketching so much quicker. Sketching digitally makes things so much quicker for me, especially when I'm already sketching from a sketch. Um, Because like I said, I, I sketch on a train. So, I already have my my concept. I usually import it and I use Adobe Sketch. And I don't, I mean, a lot of people use Procreate and, you know, other, you know, programs. But I find that Adobe Sketch is kind of like no frills. You know, it's really straightforward. I literally just need the pencil and a white background. That's all I need. Um, And the ruler. I mean, you know, like, the the ruler is always straight (laughs) on the iPad. That speeds things up so much, like... Like seriously, like I, you know, I'm, I'm drawing like because you know you're always doing your grids, you know, the baseline and the the you know cap heights and all that stuff. Like, you could literally like put a grid down in in a few seconds, Um and then it's like so much easier to do versions of. You can like have your layers, so it's definitely it's definitely way more convenient than doing it by hand. But it's a, it's kind of like a it's it's definitely a curve. Like you have to like learn how to sketch on an iPad is it's, it's different. It's just a different feeling. But once you get the hang of it and you kind of know, like, I mean, I probably can't draw a portrait on it, but what I use it for, I've definitely got a grip. Yeah. Cool.
1: Cool. Obviously iPad pro, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And an awesome tool that, um, and Apple use? pencil, obviously you need that Apple pencil. Right. I yeah. mean, I, I, I think I'm going to name this podcast for you. The ruler is always straight. <laughs> because that was like a perfect little thing. like the ruler's always straight. Right? Yeah. Cuz um, it is. Right. Yeah. Um you've been about 2 years crafting these word marks and educating yourself, figuring out how you can take your ideas and do them on your own, like you said, without having to focus on what's that found type. The mm-hmm. hours and hours of searching for that perfect thing where you can actually spend more time mm-hmm. doing it yourself.
0: Right. Um it actually becomes your process actually becomes quicker. I mean, I, I remember like countless nights of just sitting on the computer, and scrolling through suitcase, like for for an hour or two, like trying to find the right typeface. It's actually quicker once you get comfortable with it, and you can you know, you can sit down and draw exactly what you want. The answer's right there. So the answer being right there. What would you tell a younger
1: David about what he should have been doing earlier in his career?
0: Take your time, take your time not Not everything can be done in ten minutes. I used to rush through every single project you remember. I used to want to make a magazine in a week <laughs> it, it's It's just good design takes time. That's what I would tell myself and it's It's hard because it takes discipline. It takes learning your lessons, you know taking on too much. And realizing what the hell did I get myself into? Like, dealing with clients that want a quick turnaround and you think you can do it and then you can't. Like, I'd rather say no to those projects now, you know? I'd rather take my time. I, I, I want a minimum of a week, you know? I want to be able to work on that word mark for as long as I possibly can to, to get it the best that I can, you know?
1: I mean, timing is key mm-hmm. and... and to learn from our mistakes is such a valuable and crucial aspect of what we do. Cause if you get sucked into the kind of same regurgitation of not learning, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing those same mistakes over and over and over.
0: And the mistakes are important too. I mean, you know, I'm glad I went through all that because then that kind of molded me into the designer that I am today, you know, like sharing my process on Instagram Definitely, it showed me what level I actually was at, comparing myself to a lot of other designers. Um, and I mean that like, I don't mean that you know in in like a in a bad way. I'm not like full of myself, but it became clear to me because I don't really, I don't. I don't compete against anybody you know like I'm my biggest critic and like most of us as designers like we're in a dark room by ourselves and we're just like working along just chugging along like a lot of times I mean I work by myself you know um so I have nobody there to be over my shoulder and tell me if something's good or bad you know I'm basically comparing my most recent project with the one I just did previously making sure that I stay at that level or better and being more exposed to other designers helped me understand what level I was at not saying I'm great I'm not saying I'm bad I'm just saying it kind of gave me a good sense of where I am and where I need to be
1: we're kind of ending our our conversation which was really great I've learned a lot more things that I didn't know about you which is always cool considering i've known you for 15 years
0: yeah (laughs) um but this is awesome thank you for for even asking me
1: no thank you i mean i really appreciate this conversation um like i said i always learn more stuff when we hang out and chat so just because it's on tape doesn't make it any different
0: yeah yeah um it took some time to, to get used to the microphone but uh you know it This was fun. This was cool, man.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for being on Works in Process. And until next time.
0: Word up. Thanks
1: for listening. Go to the podcast website, WIP.show, where you can find the show notes from this episode. Also, if you haven't done so please subscribe to my works and process podcast on apple Podcasts or any other place you get your podcasts you also can connect with me on twitter or facebook via works underscore in process that's works with an s underscore in process one word and you can find behind the scene pics on instagram by searching the hashtag works underscore in process thanks again and until next time follow your gut and trust in the process